Welcome to Fresh Text, a weekly podcast where a couple seminary profs swap sermon ideas after prayerfully and playfully discussing the lectionary text for the upcoming Sunday. I'm your host, uh, John Drury, and I teach uh, systematic theology uh, for Wesley Seminary at Indiana Wesleyan University. And today I have a special guest. Um, Aaron's out this week, and our special guest this week is Dr. Sophia Fasua. Uh, Dr. Fasua teaches spiritual formation uh, at Wesley Seminary with me, one of my uh, colleagues and a dear friend and, and, uh, and a mentor and leader that I look up to so much. Um, so I'm so excited to, to have her on. I think we had a, I just, uh, this is on the front end, but I just finished up the recording and it was uh, a real delight um, to chat with her. And I hope you'll really enjoy her drawing from her experience um, in the African-American tradition, but also she's been a pastor uh, in, you know, Iowa. She's been a missionary in Africa. She's seen it all, uh, worked in denominational uh, leadership. She's published and written and edited uh, materials, and she's a real um, gem and sage and uh, a poet of her own and a preacher extraordinaire and has pre- uh, taught preaching and, and worship for years and during uh, in the uh, these more latter years of her um, teaching is focused on spiritual formation as well. So I hope you'll enjoy um, our conversation. And so here goes. Yeah, so I'm opening up the lectionary for, I, I use the Vanderbilt website. I don't know what site you use. I do, I okay, do. We use the same one, okay. So, and I'm clicking on year C, which is this year, which is Luke-centric, uh, and I'm looking at uh, the Epiphany season, and we have, we're coming up on, let's see, it'll be the fifth Sunday after Epiphany, so this will be February 10th. Is the text okay? Oh, lovely, lovely text. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Do you have it in front of you, or you already know? Yeah, I do. I have memorizer. (laughs) Well, some of it I do have memorized. (laughs) (laughs) I worked with this for so many years. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, Luke five one through eleven. If I'm getting the same thing as you, yes, yes. That's what I have here. Fabulous. Well, if you're willing uh, to. Um, read the text for us in whatever version you prefer. Um, I'll follow along and I'll say a prayer after that. Is that cool? That's cool. I'm using the text version that's out on the uh, Vanderbilt site. Okay. Which I think is the NRSV. I think that's right. Yeah. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet, if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. 
So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, get away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who are partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. There ends the reading. Thanks be to God for the word of the Lord. Uh, let me just say a word of prayer and, and then we'll begin discussing. Father, you who are in heaven and as our creator and as our redeemer in Jesus Christ, you are also with us down here below on earth. And so we pray that you would open our eyes, our physical eyes to just literally see this text and notice maybe things we've not seen before or to be reminded by what we see. And our, the eyes of our mind, our, our intellect, open those eyes that we might see connections and, and have insight even beyond our own natural instinct. And most of all, open the eyes of our heart that we might behold your son, Jesus Christ, your incarnate son, whose life is being narrated before our very eyes in this gospel text. In a word, Father, open us, open us to your word. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so I uh, have said before uh, that um, praying uh, on a recording always feels weird to me, uh, <laughs> but uh, alas. And also, um, even though we're uh, praying and studying, we can uh, hopefully, you'll feel comfortable to um, approach this playfully as well as prayerfully as we just kind of um, enjoy it. And, and uh, if we laugh or something seems silly or if we find ourselves on a bunny trail, nothing to worry about. It's just... Uh, this is how the process works. That's part of what we're the vision of this podcast is, is to kind of a little bit behind the curtain of just how pastoral and homiletical study kind of gets its start. So that's why we want to keep it fresh and open and who knows where it's going to go. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So uh, Sophia, what, uh, what jumps out at you or what, what moves you? What, what are you noticing as we read through this text today? Well, um, this is a text that I go to often because this was my call text. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. And when, I, when, I, when we opened this up, I'm like, oh, my goodness, you went to my call mm. text. And uh, this whole issue of deep water mm. and going to deep places and going to places where we wouldn't ordinarily go uh, is the immediate takeaway that I have here. Going into the deep water. Yeah, verse four. I want to look at that a little bit. This is your call text. That's wild. No wonder you were tickled when we told you the date. <laughs> uh-huh. Do you mind sharing a little of that story? Uh, uh, my my call story uh, is is really uh, long and complex. I don't want to go into to all of it, but uh, I was 
I was in a prophetic uh, ministry at the time. I haven't always been Methodist. I was in a prophetic ministry and a, and, and a prophet spoke and told me that um, I had been running from a calling and I had been, and this was the third prophet to tell me that. Mm. Uh, and, and he said to me to go and sit down and be still and listen for the voice of God. Mm. And, and uh, I was so frightened that I wouldn't go to bed that night because I was afraid I might hear God. Uh, <laughs> and, mm. and then finally, when I did um, lean in to listen, these were the words that I heard go out into the deep water. So then I went looking for it in scripture and saw this whole story there. And so because of that, this story has been dear to me. And it seems that my ministry has always taken a turn to be where maybe other people in my group might not have been uh, and to be doing things that um, are not always ordinary or customary or even comfortable. So this deep water issue is um, is always it's intriguing and it's vexing <laughs> because mm-hmm. why can't I get the easy assignments you know whatever uh, but but the deep water uh, has so many facets to it and yet that's where the big fish were well that's, they didn't say big fish but that's where there were so many fish uh, out where the deep water was so getting getting an understanding of what it means to go deep in ministry has been kind of a lifelong quest. Wow. That's amazing. What a, so you kind of, you, you received this phrase and then went, so it wasn't like while studying this text, it was more that this phrase no. emerged to you. And then that led you to study the text that clicks with me. I, the movement goes both directions. You know, sometimes we're encountering a text. That's what I love about the lectionary is right. Resents a text to you. It wasn't something I forced a, 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 a a plan that I came up with. It's just receiving a text and seeing mm-hmm. where it leads us. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the more time we spend in scriptures, the the opposite movement is just as natural. It's like we receive something and then we say, that reminds me of something, right? It sounds like you didn't, it sounds like maybe you didn't uh, immediately recognize the connection. You had to kind of go looking for it. Maybe I, maybe I misread well, it. Well, I, I looked for it in a sense, but I came from a tradition that read through the Bible every year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so it it had a immediate click for you. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like, oh my goodness, I know I've read that. Where is that? Let me find it. Yeah. Long, but but yeah, yeah, but 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 because because uh, I think because it was already in me Mm. from having read through the Bible several times. You know, I was a new Christian. Um, then I could go back and look at it again, and I'm sure that it had caught my attention when I've been through there again. But this time, God really mm-hmm. had my attention. The deep water—that's where you're going, and that's where I went. <laughs> so, uh, as I'm looking at this text, I'm now looking at um, working all night long, but have caught nothing. And uh, because we occasionally do some church consulting and things like that, we often talk to people who have worked all night long and caught nothing, Hmm. who have been working and working and working in the church. And, you know, church work can be exhausting, but sometimes it can be futile because we haven't heard what it was we were supposed to do. So we picked up and started doing something, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm hearing for the church. It's, it's, this is a big text. This is a really big text. Yeah. It's so, I mean, obviously for, for pastors, especially these call stories are something we come back to again and again. And the, 
just thinking of just exegetically where I start going with this, I, my mind immediately, and maybe I go to this too quickly, I'll be honest, but I immediately start thinking like, well, Matthew and Mark don't tell it this way, right? No, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> they, they, they have those call stories. It's, it's the same characters. Right, um, right. Although James and John feel a little uh, tacked on in this one, which makes you kind right, of right, right. They do like, feel kind of like an angel. Yeah, they were there too. <laughs> but but uh, it's a little more focused on Simon. But Matthew and Mark, Ma- Matthew follows Mark real closely, if I'm remembering correctly. You know, it's real early in the book. You know, there's no uh, none of the nativity stuff, and it's in Galilee. And he just goes and says, "Hey, follow me," and they drop their nets and follow. Right. Um, and and then in John, you get those first disciples, at least Andrew and Peter and two unnamed, well, one unnamed disciples, two unnamed disciples mm-hmm. find mm-hmm. out is Andrew and he goes and gets his brother, Peter. And then a couple others, you know, the Nathaniel and Philip, but they're all down in Judea. So it's sort of totally different narrative of some of the same characters. And that unnamed one may, might be, you know, the beloved disciple slash John, who knows it's, it's ambiguous, but, but then you get a very similar version to this story at the end of John, classic John, right? The move things. The stuff he tells the story in a totally different Right, way. right, right. They're, they're fishing again. <laughs> but it's a calling story there too, even though it's after the resurrection. Right, right, right. It's like right, a right. recalling and ascending. You know, it is it is the go fish for people story just as much, but in the sense of the, it's kind of John's version of the Great Commission, as it were. I only bring all that up because sometimes those little comparisons, they can distract us. Those can be bunny trails, but they can also be. Well, well bunny yeah, trails it, it is a bunny trail in a yeah. sense, but when you think about the character of Luke, which Luke was doing mm. lots of research while mm-hmm. he's traveling uh, and he's going and getting the details and asking questions and, you know, he's a physician, so he's nosy about everything. <laughs> and so now you see uh, the partnerships and the relationships, which mm. maybe are not quite so evident from the other gospels, but then when you start thinking about the sons of Zebedee who are partners with Simon, mm-hmm. that's, that's an important detail that people come to Christ. Uh, they come individually, but they also come through webs of influence. They, they work together through these webs of, 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 of mm-hmm. kinship and relationship that maybe they've not had uh, in other uh, places. So then you see team ministries start emerging and there's all these other visions that come just from this little aside. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who are partners with Simon. So mm-hmm. they didn't have to forge a relationship together to follow Jesus because, you know, when people come together, sometimes it's a, an uneasy thing fit for a while. They were already bonded together and they trusted each other. And the fact that they were all hearing this at the same time together and responding at the same mm. time together gives them a witness of the spirit with one another, you know? Yeah. So there, there's something different going on here. So I'm really glad that Luke added this in. And of oh, course, yeah. Luke adds in all these little details here oh, and there, my, yeah. especially in the Mary narratives. You know, because we don't know what was going on with Mary, you know, a lot of times and, and the details behind the scenes. So this is another detail that I think he should be commended for bringing to our, our attention. Yeah, the bulk of material that that Luke has that the others don't is is quite significant, especially in terms of little little personal little details like this. Um, yeah, partners with them. I'm just geeking out on the Greek here and I see it's it's uh, it's, you know, they were. Uh, koino noi to Simone. They were coin, you know, koinonois, right? They were they were 
partners with, commuters with, sharers with Simon. Totally a total normal use of that noun that we know from other contexts, koinonia for communion or sharing, that kind of thing. Um, but in this uh, context, yeah, the word clearly does mean partners, right? It means they're yeah, sharing. And the word used there almost means more than partners, like friend partners. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 And partnership would not be uh, even in that culture and, and, in, and in many cultures around the world uh, would not be uh, a purely legal relationship. It would always have a, a, a close connection of household. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, that's fascinating, especially because we get this detail, and this appears in all three synoptics, that Jesus kind of has this inner circle of three, Peter, James, and John. Yes. Um, And in this narrative, you get the sense that in some ways that threesome predates um, their, their discipleship. Right. That's yes. kind of what you're highlighting. Exactly. To me. That's what that's what I'm hitting at right here, that they were always together. They had worked through the, the, the you know, those crazy things that we worked through to be friends with people. Uh, they were partners. And then the word in Greek, you know, has koinonia in there, which is a little bit more than just a, you know, business relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and here they are now following Jesus and they're making this decision together. Yeah, oh, that's so great because, yeah, and the emphasis in the Mark and, and the Theon version is that, that James and John are in the boat with their father and they leave their father behind, which right. is also an important story of, of oh, yeah, that's an important leave the family point. business. But in Luke, you're getting this emphasis on, or at least the subtle, you know, hinting at this partnership that already um, exists between Simon and the sons of Zebedee. Yeah, such that, you know, I mean, I heard this really funny line that uh, um, the great miracle of Jesus that we forget to talk about, um, it's one thing to turn water into wine and even raised from the dead, but I mean, he made 12 friends when he was 30. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, 30 something, it's hard to make friends as you get older. It is hard. And, it is hard. But what you're seeing here is actually in some sense, like it, it's very tempting, especially for religious folk, which most pastors are, at least become that, it's really easy for religious folk to fall into the habit of thinking that, that all these guys had in common was Jesus, you know? Yeah, um, that's exactly right. And, and, and I, I think from the perspective of global missions or world um, evangelism, and, 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 and you, you're aware that I was a missionary at one point right. in life, um, this is a real norm, normative kind of a uh, uh, response in communities that are accepting Christ for the first time now. Uh, we think in the West of individualized faith, mm. but in, in uh, world cultures, the two-thirds world, uh, they think in terms of trusting God together. And uh, I accept God for myself, but I'm coming, I'm coming and I'm bringing others with me or I'm coming because others have persuaded me as well. And, and it's not just a, a, a drill down one-on-one as much as it is communities and families and people who, who trust one another um, taking a leap of faith together. So when you see these uh, mass conversions in, in Acts and in other places, when you see these mass conversions, it's a lot like this. People who are hearing it together and trusting uh, not only what they heard, but trusting that their friends heard what they heard. And so together we've heard it and we witness it together. So it must be something good and true and wholesome about it. So these mass conversions uh, uh they're often held to suspicion, you know, when Bible exegetes pick them up because we think so individualistically, but uh, in a communal culture, 
it would be the most natural thing to come to Christ with your friends. Yeah, the 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 aberration would be an utterly individual conversion. Exactly, That's, exactly. And it actually is an aberration in the sense of it means you're going to be converting to a kind of modern individualistic attitude, which is usually how it ends up working for those who do convert individualistically. They end up which being out the of their culture of the and it doesn't stick. Yeah, it, it doesn't stick. That was the failure of the old missionary endeavor. Yeah. They wanted to create a new culture in people in order to bring them to Christ instead of understanding that they're going to come in a clump instead of one by one yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And, and then re- requiring them to remain isolated after they've made that decision, which cuts them off from community. Yeah, that's the key term. When you say isolation, I think of there are some gifts and blessings that come with individuality, not individualism. Yeah, yeah. There's some things that we have to do by ourselves. But yes. uh, but it's the the great you know vice of individualism is ultimately isolation because we understand ourselves as isolated and so end up uh, becoming in fact isolated. Right. And that's why the joke earlier about uh, the miracle of making 12 friends when you're 30, I mean, right, right, right. That, that's only funny because of the individualism of our modern Western culture drives us into isolation. I mean, it just does. It does. You know? It drives us away from community. Yeah. Oh, and so man. now we see a gospel that, that has hints of community in it. Yeah. Yeah. And so then it's calling uh, in a communal context which comes full circle back to your story which was not even though it was you know sometimes people hear prophetic ministry and they take you know i think when people talk about the dangers of prophetic speech it's usually the dangers are actually a function of individualism not you know when you actually have them get it they're like oh well someone will just go off and make it all up by themselves i'm like well that's not true prophetic ministry right your no, story no, was a very no. communal story right it was a story of others speaking into your life and you being then led to discern on your own three times they spoke (laughs) and even the word you received you sought you sought confirmation in the scriptures right so it was communal all the way down right communal all the way down so Um, here we have this gospel where we are called into community yeah in fact there's an african theologian that i met along the way and as he's interpreting the gospel He's calling it a communitarian gospel. Mm. And he even sees the, um, the Trinity as a community. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I mean, we're starting to get into theological muddy water and stuff, not, you know, but, but the point is that from an African's perspective, uh, gospel is often seen as a call into a good, wholesome, pure community. You're called to God and you're called to all God's people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, when he when Christ calls us, he calls us into his body, into his community. Called into his body. That's it. Every factor. Yeah, and and what's striking me is, given your observation about the partnership, is that they're being called from community into community, right? As it were, into deeper community to connect it with deeper waters, right? Um, And it's easy when we to say, ah, we you know they left their dad behind. To read into that individualistically, ah, you leave community to go follow. Right, 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 right. In some sense, yes, this is this is going to create stress between communities of allegiance, um, and this 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 is. A, but it ultimately, this is a deeper community, never a isolation from community. No, yeah. no. Can I ask the isolation. name of that African theologian that you mentioned earlier? Uh, his last name is Ogbenaya. Ogbenaya. Sorry, I'm just jotting things down because I'm only. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
that start with an A? Uh, O. Yeah, O, okay. O-G, Ogbenaya. So now here we are with some fishermen. Mm-hmm. First of all, they've taken a risk letting this 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 person into their boat, and 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 she starts giving orders, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. push out from the side a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, and then hear all these people coming, and the crowd is pressing in. Uh, I think what they did was pretty risky. Yeah, I'm thinking about mobs now. This could have gotten out of hand. Yeah, yeah, and yet they risked. With an, maybe they'd seen him around. I don't know, but but they risked with a person who they were not yet following. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 they had other things to do. Yeah, you know, so they were washing, washing their, their nets. nets. Yeah, they were busy. Yeah, they were washing yeah. their nets. They they had other things to do. They were fishermen. Time is of essence. You work by the sun. There, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're not going to wash your nets at night. Mm-hmm. And and yet they took that risk. And then he, okay, he's, he's giving orders, put out a little bit from the shore. They did. And then when he's finished speaking and who knows how long. <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. Now, let's go back out in the water. What mm. kind of, you know. I've already been up all night. Right. And now I'm already right. behind on my net washing for tomorrow night. So, mm-hmm. so would a sermon wow. title be The Inconvenience of Faith? Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, with that, uh, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll uh, explore some uh, where we might run with this in terms of uh, sermons. All right. we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. We're exploring um, the passage uh, for the uh, February uh, 10th, I believe it is. Um, And uh, it's uh, Luke 5, 1 through 11. And I'm sitting here with, well, I'm not, I'm sitting here across uh, digital distance uh, looking at Luke uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11 um, with uh, Dr. Sophia Fasua. Um, And We've been chatting about different things we were seeing here, and per our custom, we're just kind of transitioning here to explore uh, where we might go with this text. You know, what's your what's uh, Aaron introduced this crazy phrase of you know what's your winkle? He had this teacher who talked about your winkle, which is just German for angle, like the angle you might take. Because of course, you know, when when we're doing exegesis, when we're studying a passage, it might go, be going in six different directions. Typically, a sermon is going to maybe pick one of those, maybe draw from the others, but it's really going to focus typically in a bit. I mean, I, I don't know if you'd agree with that statement, but most most uh, homileticians would be on board with that. But where's your, what's your, what, initially, if you were preaching this coming uh, Sunday uh, on this text, Sophia, like, what's your, what's your angle? What's your winkle? What, what direction do you imagine yourself going? You mentioned even a uh, a, a sermon title. <laughs> yeah, be, before the break, you know, I, I was looking kind of, you know, laughing a little bit as I looked at it. The fact that Jesus gets in the boat and he all of a sudden he's giving orders. Yeah, and uh, they're, they're not followers of Jesus yet. Maybe yeah. they know him. Maybe they're admirers or whatever. But he comes in, he's, he's got people pushing out into the water. And then he wants to go back out fishing. 
and and understanding that sometimes the call of God takes us where we do not want to go. And you know that was a the the, the prophecy given to to Peter toward you know about the end of his life that they're going to bind you up, take you where you don't want to go. But but sometimes the call of God. Uh, and God's individual daily callings take us out of the beaten path, out of routine, out of the normalcy of, of what we thought the day was supposed to be. And, and there is the miracle right there as we step off the pathway. So understanding that following God is not a routine thing. Yeah, boy, you know, the connection with the take you where you don't want to go thing, since that is in John 21. Right. <laughs> parallel version of this story, right? You could play with that if you wanted, you know. You could play with draw that. Draw on that right. version of the story um, because that's the kind of radical, I mean, that could even be a fun twist because I'm seeing a progression here is what I, I heard in your, in your uh, voice. I, I heard a progression that moved from um, the, the, there's the initial inconvenience of faith, which is the, hey, I want to use your boat to preach. And of course, yeah. this is parallel in, in Mark and Matthew. There, there's a story of him getting in the boats to preach because of the crowds. Um, they're already, the call story has already happened there. But so, so there, that's a just initial inconvenience, right? right. Actually, in Mark, that's where the parable of the sower happens, but um, which se- seems somewhat connected a little bit. Some people hear, some people don't. But um, and then when he finished speaking, put out in the deep water, and he's like, oh, and this is you don't you don't get you don't hear a complaint. From Peter. No, you don't hear a complaint. Beginning. It was like, okay, we, we worked all night and caught anything, yet if you say so. Right, right, right. So now now he gets you get the initial complaint, the initial anxiety starts to voice itself now. You know, initially, uh, anxiety and, and submission. Yes, if that's you right. Say that's, so. right. that's right. So it's it, not, it hits not because I understand. They know, right? Yeah, <laughs> they know something that. about him. That's right. Uh, because yeah. no stranger can tell me to go back to work. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, that's so good. Great. Because the initials, the interruption of his work. And now right. it's telling him to go back to work, but not to the work that he was intending to do. And not in the oh. places you've been working. That's right. Oh, man. Right. So you have the initial inconvenience and he may have had some confusion, but also submission in his heart. And, and then sub- that's a submissive. Yet, if you say so. That's right. Then the confusion and submission is verbal in the second moment of going into deep water. Um, and, uh, and then the big, uh, the big inconvenience, the, the, the final inconvenience is um, when he actually says, you know, you're going to be catching people. And again, he doesn't, he doesn't even it's, do not be afraid from now on. You will be catching people. It's not like, Hey, would you like to come catch people with me? It's, no, uh, no, 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 no. This no. is what you're doing. This is your new job. <laughs> this is it. Don't be afraid to accept this challenge. And not that sermons have to have three points, but a good story has a beginning, middle and end. And you, and you get the vibe of a, a good narrative sermon could emerge from that where you kind of, you talk about the, the little inconveniences and then the bigger inconveniences that test our faith. And then the big and in, biggest inconvenience of all. Cause that's is, the big ask right there. Yeah. <laughs> That, you know, the first right. ask was put the boat out. And the second ask is let's go fishing. And now the third ask is don't be afraid now, but this yeah. is what we're really going to do. <laughs> that could be a really killer sermon. And, and of course, you know, you could do a little twist at the end and mention, of course, what he doesn't yet know is that to follow Jesus is to be led where you do not want to go. Um, exactly. To end exactly. up on a cross upside down. That's right. Again. Yeah. That's right. Um, 
oh man, that's a good sermon. My, like the hair on the back of my neck's kind of sticking up. Um, <laughs> and, 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 uh, and, and Aaron is going to be, uh, you know, filled with uh, jealousy because, you know, I, I, I've never said that his sermon ideas put the hair on the back of my neck, but uh, <laughs> uh, no, we always try to give each other a hard time, but uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh man, that's, that's really good. I like that angle. The inconvenience of faith. I, I, let me just ask you a kind of just a quick uh, process question before I try to share mine. Um, and that's typically what we do, by the way, just a uh, meta is like a uh, comment here is typically like I ask my guests, like what's their angle. And then I throw out some ideas and then, then I'll share mine. And then you can throw out some ideas of where I could run with mine, but sure. Um, okay. So, uh, but I noticed that like the, uh, there's, I've described it to my students before as like this hourglass, you're doing all this exegesis, it's coming through and it's going through this single moment, not this yes. single moment, but there's that, there's that turn, this narrow point where, where is kind of where you get the focus of your sermon. And it might just be an intuition. It might not be a fully developed. And then the bottom half of the hourglass as it opens back up is actually then developing a sermon. And in a way, every, all your exegesis finds its way in there, but it looks very different on the other end of that focus. Right. Comes out with different grains of sand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and, and it was curious to me that like your focus kind of like emerged in the form of like a sermon title. Um, and I almost never even have titles to my sermons. So I was wondering ah. like, is that often a way that your, your, your angle or your focus kind of emerges? Is it like a little phrase like that that kind of captures the spirit of the whole or was well, that a peculiar um, moment just now? I, I'm a child of the African-American church or the black church. And it is normal to have the title to set you up for listening gotcha. to the sermon. Yeah. Now that and I think so, of it, when I've heard black preachers, I'll hear them do this uh-huh. where they'll, they'll, they'll have an intro. And then at some point the title of the sermon is, and they'll go, yes, Ooh. exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. Exactly. Okay. So I've been conditioned to hear like that, which has uh, done kind of reverse engineering thing to con- con- right. convince me to think in those ways as I'm, as I'm putting sermons together. Yeah. That's how the mind works. We notice patterns in the language of other, other language users. And then that becomes, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Cause mine is often like a hook. It's a phrase, you know, uh-huh. that's like a thesis statement as it were. And I'm sure I just picked that up somewhere you know, to have a kind of mantra. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's really, that's really cool. The inconvenience. Well, our, our communities teach us how to preach. That's right. They teach us how to listen and they teach us how to preach. Yeah. And the preaching flows out of the listening. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I know our colleague Dave Ward, uh, a big part of his homiletics course is just a, a lot of listening to sermons and giving them, of different frameworks for how to listen to sermons. Cause he's saying uh-huh. like, the skill of listening to sermons is what is what you're, you know, if, if you're, if you've only ever listened to a sermon pragmatically and personally and haven't learned it, to listen to it with a, a view to its artistry so that you too become a preacher, you know, you need, mm-hmm. you need to learn how to listen to a sermon in order to preach a sermon, you know, is the idea. Um, oh yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That title. So that, that's, that's a, often a way that you can find focus is inconvenience of faith. Yeah. For me, honestly, it, it was earlier, the, my kind of angle would be, and, and it was kind of inspired by some of your comments and running with it, this playing with the community and isolation themes is really where I could see myself going with a sermon. Ah. And, and it was this phrase that I said earlier, the um, called from community into community. And yes, 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 so, yes. I liked that. I really liked that. 
because and it's from doesn't mean away from it's lost. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Christ calls us from community into community. And yeah, you're right. There may be some loss, but at the end of the day, it's always um, into a community. Um, and there's continuities of community before and after the calling, as well as discontinuities, right? And I feel like there could be some discernment questions raised in a sermon like that around, you know, what are the, what are the continuities? What are the discontinuities? You know, yeah, there are things you need to let go. But what are the right. things that are going to come with you? And even asking questions like, who are you in this passage? If, are, are you, uh, are you uh, if you're Simon Peter, who, who's your partner that you need to bring along with you? That's it. That's it. Right. That's or it. vice versa. If you're James and John, who's, that, who's the Peter in your life? That's Simon Peter who's moving out ahead of you. And you're getting a clue from them that there's a new thing is happening for you, not just for them. Right. Exactly. And in fact, my husband, you know, you know, Kwesi, can I, mm-hmm. um, his, his um, conversion story has a lot to do with his roommate in college. Mm. His roommate received the gospel and came home and couldn't stop talking. Wow. And that was how he came to Christ because of his roommate. Yeah. And that could be even a part of a part of a sermon is I could, you know, you could ask, uh, um, Go, think back. Who were the people who were instrumental in your own conversion? And exactly. And 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 take some time for gratitude. I don't think we do enough of that in, in preaching. Actually, <laughs> uh, it's very easy to to slip into running right to the repentance, and that's it's got to go there. But to start with, like, how is this? You know, be grateful for how this has impacted you, and then out of that gratitude, be moved to do it for someone else. You know, exactly, um, exactly, exactly. Oh, that's a good story. Yeah, it's making me. Think of what story. I mean, this is everyone's different, right? In terms of their personalities, but like, like my sermon ideas will come together real quick in terms of the ideas and the concepts and the mm-hmm. the structure, and then I have to really rack my brain brain to uh, to start coming up with personal stories and illustrations. It's always so funny because I talk to some preachers and they've got they've already got their stories and illustrations. They're kind of looking for clarity of what. <laughs> their point is yeah right. what's the point everybody's is? different right yeah <laughs> you know since you asked that question about me having a sermon title first mm. i'm wondering if it is functioning without my knowing it as a focus statement mhm mhm yeah i think so i think so and that's kind of a that's kind of a term in the homiletics literature right the focus statement. right right in the homile- you know, what, what what are you looking at in this sermon where are you going here you know uh but but i i'm wondering now if that practice has has functioned as a way to to focus the sermon from the very beginning and to give you kind of an idea where you're going um before you start unpacking it yeah cuz i mean a statement like inconvenience of faith would be at least at the explicit and formal level is a, is a, is a topic statement. Right. Mm-hmm. And just like I'd often do these thesis statements, you know, which is yes. more of an assertion, a proposition, but both of those are functioning as focus statements, even though, yes. but only implicitly. Yeah. Implicitly. Um, intuitively. That's it. Yeah. And that's good. I, I'm glad you highlighted that because I want, especially our listeners, especially those who preach, but just anyone um, to, um, to learn to have, I mean, you learn things in seminary or what ha- whatever from others about good procedure, but you also got to lean into like, what, what are your own, you know, quirks and habits of mind, you know, 
and what works for you. Yeah, that's right. So thing, a concept like a focus statement is really helpful. It, it's, it's, but the function that that performs is much more important than actually having a literal focus statement. <laughs> right, right, exactly. But because keeping focus really matters, especially because, I mean, I always say to my students that the, the, having a focus sermon is, is about, it's about having a principle of selectivity because when you're doing study, the scriptures, you're going to have two hours worth of stuff. Um, how do you decide what to put in the sermon and what not to? Well, what goes in the sermon isn't just every cool thing I happen to notice when I studied, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. Otherwise, you're like a plane looking for a place to land. Yeah, 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 yeah. And sometimes I'll hear, I'll sometimes hear sermons like that. I'm like, oh, they had fun with this text this week, but uh, <laughs> what's the point? Where's it going? Where? What's the focus? Where's it going? Could land it here? Oh, missed it. We're going to circle around again. <laughs> Yeah, and that clarity focus, I think, just tends to lead to uh, more uh, more penetrating sermons that that convict hearts and and draw us to celebrate. And it's just it's something about the human mind; it needs uh, needs to have something to focus on. You know, right. <laughs> doesn't want to run every direction. I, I want to go back to your 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 comment earlier about finding illustrations, though, because mm-hmm. I think that's where all of us preachers uh, suffer. Mm. where do we go to find a relevant illustration that Mm. helps you hear the text? Yeah, I know for me, I I've had to learn to not force it. And this is why I need to, um, for me, if I have a kind of a focus, a sense of what I, of the theme, you know, it's spending time with it. I had a teacher who helped me so much as he talked about having a, a sacramental imagination, Oh, that's a lovely term. And it's having as a preacher that as you know, it's the reason to work ahead is once you've had a kind of basic idea where you want to go, put the uh books down and, you know, uh, do other tasks, uh, play with your kids, watch TV, enjoy your life, you know, like you're busy, there's other things to do, but you're paying attention. What signs, what sacraments, what mysteries will the Lord present to you? that will click with the theme, you know, um, instead of forcing it. And when I was a young preacher, I forced it. I'd go look at Oh, it. didn't we Literally, all? you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> didn't um, we? <laughs> you know, oh, got to have a cool story, you know, and instead of just, and, and I've been amazed actually how often I've actually gotten all the way to, um, you know, uh, morning of even, even during worship, you know, and the, there's maybe kind of an empty spot in the sermon, either at the beginning or end. Right. Exactly. Again, this isn't great advice for brand new preachers. Like, Hey, prepare, have a plan. Right. But as you get seasoned, you have these empty spots and you're kind of like, I'm still waiting. And then, and and I'll realize like, I'll have a moment, like while we're singing a song, I'll be like, Oh yeah, this thing that just happened Wednesday, that was this sermon being lived out in front of Right. 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 In the moment, you know? Um, And I used to kind of beat myself up for not seeing it in the moment. And more and more, I'm just like, well, I'll see it when I see it, you know? <laughs> right, um, right. And sometimes it's the 11th hour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just, uh, it's more of that. It's kind of really internalizing the message for me. Um, mm-hmm. And just keeping, keeping my yeah, sacramental imagination free to notice what the Lord might present. Um, would, would you say that that moment when, when, when life intersects with the word is the time when the word becomes flesh? <laughs> yeah, 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 no, I think that's, that's spot on. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I think we, 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 we tend to compartmentalize our faith, our reading of scripture, our relationship with God, our interpretation of text, and, and have not fully integrated it into life most of the time. I think that's why we may struggle so much with life applications and life illustrations mm-hmm. because we, we think in compartments. But when they do intersect, that is the word putting on flesh so that people can see it and understand that it, it's, it's real for their life situations as well. And yet that's the most difficult thing we mm-hmm. preachers do. Yeah. Yeah, what's weird is I'm learning more and more like if I want to have life, ap- life application in my sermons, I got to have uh-huh. life application in my life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Am yes, I actually yes, yes. looking for how this is shaping me? And if it shapes me, I will have illustrations. They, they will emerge. It's they will. They will. Because it'll just simply be the testimony of life. And, and it'll come from a really authentic place, which makes them more powerful stories. Yes. Even if there's like this perfect, great story out there that you read in a book. Oh, yeah, yeah. If it happens to be a novel you're reading and it strikes you, that's great. I'm not against that. But No, no, no. But sometimes- you know, I could go tell Questy's story because you told it to me. You know, I could do that and it'd be a good story. And sometimes I'll have that. I'll have a, I'll have a gap, a stopgap story in my sermon plan, in my notes. Right. That's the one I'm going to use, <laughs> the borrowed story, as it were, um, if nothing really clicks. If nothing um, else comes yeah. up, yeah. And, but it's a placeholder and I know what function it's performing, so I know how to replace it on the fly if need be. Um, but uh, sometimes a, a, a story that's half as dramatic, that's a tenth as dramatic. Right. Um, or a trenth as funny. You know, I mean, I used, to, I used to try really hard to be funny because as an emphasis on that in my kind of white suburban preachers, pastor got to tell jokes first. And it's never been natural for me. I, most people, I've, I've found people say that I'm funny, but it's not usually jokes. It's just being kind of the weird ADD person that I am, you know? Um, <laughs> oh, come so, on. But uh so I, I mean, I, there's funny stuff, but like, like my wife, I'll, I'll tease, like if she preached a sermon in front of an empty room, there would be jokes and you would hear them in the recording. Like, cause she's a writer. She did comedy writing in college and high school. Like, so she knows ah, how to write. Okay. She understands yeah, comedic timing. Gift for it. That's right. So she can actually, she can actually plan her jokes. And my, every time some the, the, the congregation laughs, I'm surprised because I didn't know it was a joke. It was just how my, it's just, I just say a thing that, to me, and it, it just came out that way, yeah. And I, I'm not it's fun and funny, and I roll with it, you know? <laughs> right. I didn't come from a good place with, with humor either, and I, yeah. I've never been able to do that well in a sermon. And I, and I used to force it again, and, and then more and more, I just, you know, if my sermon happens to be kind of serious, as long as it's really personal and authentic, it still clicks with people. You don't need... Right, right. You need to be authentic to click with people, and that's, that's what I but found. I, I think if we, if we fail to illustrate in some kind of way... I wonder if the congregation feels like they're drowning in scripture. Yeah, I think that's right. No, I've never let myself off the hook to having to. No, to me either. You, you kind of can't. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree that it's absolutely essential. Um, it's more just finding the way that, that makes sense and works, um, works for you as a person, you know? Right. And then the converse of course is true where we've, we've heard these sermons with just way yeah. too, many, you know, like right. get to the point brother. <laughs> okay. We're on the fourth illustration, but uh, have you said anything about the passage? Right. Yeah. No, you right. got to strike that balance. Uh, that's true. No. And, and, and I definitely risk that, that scripture drowning um, when I preach. Uh, and alas, you know, we all have our uh, <laughs> strength and weak spots, but <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Well, thank you so much. This has been a a really uh, pleasant conversation for me. I hope it's been fun for you. Oh, I've had a great deal of fun today. I appreciate the invitation. Oh, good, good. That that that's delightful for me to hear. I I think I'll say a like a prayer or a poem here at the end. Um, okay, sounds great. I, uh, I I actually say where I one of the places I go. Um, I I I've been reading some poems the last couple episodes from a little book um, by a by a poet and it goes through different passages and I forgot it on this trip, but, but I'll tip off people to this uh, resource. If you use the Vanderbilt lectionary site, Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, under the, each, uh, season, there's a, there's a little click for art and another hyperlink for prayer. So you mm-hmm. can find images that you can put on things and, and, um, and some prayers that are kind of thematically connected. Um, so I thought I might maybe end with one of these and thought I'd tip off our listeners to, to where I'm getting this from to see if, uh, see if this might work. So I'll end with this prayer here. God of every land and nation, you have created all people and you dwell among us in Jesus Christ who calls us to yourself. Listen to the cries of those who pray to you and grant that as we proclaim the greatness of your name, all people will know the power of love at work in the world. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks again, Sophia. And uh, we'll hope to have you on again sometime. All right. Yeah. I enjoyed being here. Thank you for inviting me. No problem. You have anything to plug? Anything coming out uh, in February or March? Uh, uh, writings or uh, audio? No, video, we're still we're still in production. Uh, we got slowed down by some administrative things in in other uh, publishing offices. Uh, so we're still in production with the Native American volume, and my millennial volume is on hold because of okay. uh, administrative concerns. Other words, not nothing to do with the volume, just the mechanism gotcha. so okay. i'm i'm feeling in limbo a little bit but oh, okay get there <laughs> maybe the, by the next time what's the uh at least working title of those so that people can keep an eye out for them on amazon uh voices two and, voices and it, two. it would be the the, okay. the roman numeral two okay great great voices two would be the native american volume that the uh, millennial volume doesn't even have a title yet gotcha okay well, We've got okay. content, but no title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, there's a, and Voices One, of course, is already out there. So if you're listening, right. you anything right. from Spia, check that out. So, Okay, well, thanks uh, so much. I'm going to end it now then. All righty. All right. All right.